you are now tuning into the Four Feathers podcast brought to you by Chicago Sports Nation. Episode four of the Four Feathers podcast. I am Johnny Nani, and I'm joined by Tony Marchese, Ron Luce, and Tyler Jones. What's up, boys? How's it going? Doing good. How are you guys? Phenomenal. Yeah, doing well. Feeling good after a Hawks two zero and one start. How um, could we? How could we not be feeling well after that? I mean, did any of us expect that start? No. no. Absolutely. Not at all. Actually, I predicted they go undefeated 115 though, so. 152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-152-
four assists, uh, 59% Corsi four. Um, Cahoon, even has two assists, looks like he's getting a little bit of a rhythm there. So one observation from all of that is that this team is top-heavy. There's only two goals from the bottom six with Kruger and Hayden. So um, first of all, I mean, we can start with the positives. Uh, what do you like from the uh, offensive uh, offensive game up front, Tony? Well, I, I'm going to say this. The, the stars have come to play, and that's what you need from this team. You look at that bottom six, and it's a steaming pile of crap. And we've said that from the get-go. There, there's nobody down there that you really fully expect to actually make an impact. Jonathan Taves mm. has come out this year, and he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. I mean, you can see it. When he's on the ice, he's got that determination. We didn't see that from him last year. I was actually talking to uh, a buddy at work who has some some ties into, uh, into the NHL, and one of the things that, that he had brought up is that Jonathan Taves, two years ago, had gone on some really weird, crazy diet and um, he had saw a dietitian over the summer and that they put him on like more of a carnivore diet. So Taves wasn't eating like meat. He was only eating fish. I don't know if this has been out there, but over the summer they started feeding him like steak, chicken, like very protein heavy diet. And for some reason it's made him faster. And I was talking to this guy and he's like, I don't know if that means anything. But I don't know. Taves looks like a man out there again. He he doesn't like. He doesn't look like a pussy. He looks like he's out there to play hockey, and that's what you need out of the guy that you're paying ten million dollars a year. Same thing with Patrick Kane. He's out there scoring, you know, showtime goals in big big situations so far early this year, and you need that if they're if you're gonna pay twenty million dollars to two players, those are the guys that have to show up. If they're not going to show up, this team's going to suck. And that's what we saw last year. And so far, whatever's gotten into them needs to stick because there's no way this team is going to compete long into the year without those two players going offensively. So the recipe for success is top-heavy, and that's what they have to lean on. I mean, we heard it in the offseason with the press conference. We need Jonathan Taves to return. We need Patrick Kane to have a, 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 star, a star player year. And if they continue to do that, they're going to be okay. If we see that offense dip, they're in a lot of trouble. Uh, on, on the defensive side, you know, they're going to need help there. But so far, offensive, offensive positives, you're getting what you got there. One guy, though, I'm going to comment on, Brandon Saad, where are you at? That's all I got. Yeah, and, and to add on to that, I mean, Taves, Taves looks like the player that I think Chicago Blackhawks fans know Taves is um, and whatever it is I mean whether it's the diet thing whether, whether it's he just kind of put that chip on his shoulder again you know he is looking like Jonathan Taves again and it's really encouraging I mean Patrick Kane's always been Patrick Kane um, I was at the game on uh, Sunday evening against Toronto and that was the craziest 90 seconds I have ever experienced in my entire life late in the game uh, you know sitting there and all right you know it'd be great if they could you know at least send this to ot let's at least get a point out of this and you know caner caner does caner things and holds on to the puck and picks his spot and goes you know five hole on sparks and crowd goes crazy and you know everybody's getting settled in and then the freaking defense leaves matthews wide the hell open in the freaking slot nobody there no slot. at all 
Yeah. He's just he's just chilling there. He's like, oh, where do I want to shoot on Cam Ward? Hmm. 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 I love baby. Yeah. He he could have ordered off of a freaking like sit down restaurant menu with the amount of time that he had. Yeah. And you know, roofs it. I mean, don't get me wrong, great player. Should roof it. He did. And you know, you get all these drunk Toronto fans coming down, yeah, da 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 mocking the goal song and being a bunch of assholes, whatever. And then all of a sudden, you know, Kaner decides to put the team on his back. And I have never seen that place go that ape shit before in my entire life when he scored that game tying goal. Absolutely. You ever, you ever been to a playoff game, Ron? <laughs> I have. No, I have. Fun fact. Fun fact. I was at the playoff game when Kane had the hat trick to eliminate Vancouver in the year before they won the first Stanley Cup. So I've experienced that playoff atmosphere. And for a regular season game, that was the craziest I think I've ever felt the energy, at least at games that I've been to. Um, you know, so, it, but. To your guys' point, you know, ten and a half million dollars each for both of these guys. They're finally both playing like it again. Kane really never faltered. Taves obviously had the the little stretch there where he wasn't doing so hot. Um, I really want to talk just very briefly about Cahoon. He looks very natural playing with Taves and Debrinket. Very, very natural. He he does not look terribly out of place. You know, he has his moments where you're like, okay, I get it. You know, he's still adjusting to the ice surface. But overall, he really has been very a very pleasant surprise. I did not expect this out of Cahoon. Early in the year, people were projecting him maybe as a third-line winger, maybe as a fourth-line winger, maybe as like a 13th forward type guy. And he's playing in the top six, and he doesn't look out of place. You know, he's a playmaker. He can pass very well. That freaking play with... Um, oh God! Yeah, it's a Cahoon to Debrinket. Oh, it was gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Even better in person. And TV didn't do it justice. Um, and his face was beautiful. I loved his reaction to to the play. His jaw was about to hit the ice because his he was just in shock at how perfect it was. Yeah, there's um, a great picture out there that has like just like the you know the Cahoon reaction. He's just mm-hmm. like you said, in awe, just in yeah. awe of what just happened. Exactly, the Brinkett's like smiling, and Cahoon's just like, "What the fuck just happened? That was incredible." Um, no, I mean they're 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 playing well offensively, but defensively, they are going to give me gray hairs a lot earlier in my life than they need to. Yeah, we're gonna get to defense in a little bit here, Ron. So I want Tyler, um, just give me some observations. I know it's probably been taken up by us hogging the mic here, but uh, go ahead and give us some observations on your uh, what you've seen from the offense so far, Ty. Yeah, it's funny that uh, Tony brought up the diet because I was thinking the exact same. Hey, you're the health guy here. Yeah, right. So I'm pretty sure Taze is on a pescatarian diet, which means he can do all veggies and only fish. That's the only animal he can eat before now. Um, which is, I mean, that's a hard diet, man, especially when you have, you're putting in such an output in these high-intensity games and battles that you're playing, especially as a first-line winger. You're going to be out there for a majority of the game. So, um, you know, if he is on carnivore or just eating more meat, you know, he's going to have a way higher output of protein, which is obviously good for someone his age and someone who's going to have that output and intensity that he's putting forth. So definitely something I, once I heard he was doing that, I thought that that was going to make a difference and it seems like it has, but 
to get off the fucking Bill Nye shit. Um, <laughs> they, they look good, man. I like I like how fast they are. I said that earlier. Um, I don't like that Saad isn't on that list of guys that we just went over. I think yep. that's a problem. And um, and I, I don't like to. I mean, I don't like to see him on a second line with with Kane. I really wish that he could fit up there with with uh, Taves and Cahoon and have some camaraderie up there. But I don't want to mess with that line right now. And going in with that, I can't remember the last time I've seen Taves have like a, you know, chemistry on a line with anyone. Like they're out there with buddies. Did you see the picture of them celebrating at like practice today? They're all yeah. Him, like freaking out. It's like a gift. It's at practice. You know, it's it's good to see them together and have a chemistry because Taves hasn't had that. You know, he didn't have it with Tonic for sure not, and he didn't have it with Saad when he was up there last year. So. I think that'll be a big, you know, something that will really carry Taves throughout the year and hopefully have him a better year. That's yeah. what's crazy to me is that wasn't Taves the guy that went and cried and said, I need Brandon Saad back. That's why I had such a down year and they got rid of Panarin and it pissed off Kane. Like you would think that when Brandon Saad came back, it would have been like Taves' best year last year. So I don't know. Maybe Maybe there's not much to that, but – you bring up chemistry and that's that's important you see this team so far early in the year has has better chemistry i think than the last two years with the hawks teams yeah, sure. yeah when last i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there ron but the no, uh, the you know i talked about it um on the last podcast on our season preview episode but you know it was kind of a revolving door there at right wing alongside taves and debrinket Last season with Ponick, guys like Kinestroza, Saad in there for times, Hartman at times. Um, I mean, Cahoon, it's good. I know it's only three games, but like you said, Tyler, just bringing up that like gift, it looks like they have chemistry. So that's just a great sign going forward for cohesion in the top offensive units. Go ahead, Ron. No, I was just going to say, I think the reason that, you know, maybe that Saad and Taves didn't work out, I think partially pressure. I mean, obviously because of their past playing together, you know, that was something that people were really focusing on. Um, but a key cog in that, that line being as dominant as it was, was number 81. So um, just something yep. to, to keep in mind there. They really never had a dominant right wing there because Debrinket really didn't play there much at all last year. It was, yeah, it was Hina Stroza. It was Ponick. It was Joe Schmo here. You know, they may have put me in skates a couple times to dress and play <laughs> on that right wing. It, it just, it there was no stable, yeah, stable, you know, right wing option there. It was Sod and Taves having to carry whoever was playing there. They had a little chemistry with Hina Stroza for about a seven game stretch, but it was really just. Taves and Saad, and I think a lot of pressure on them is kind of what made them unsuccessful last year. Um, so maybe it is better that Saad can be kind of the I don't have to help drive possession kind of guy. I can just play my game and 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 help guys like Schmaltz and Kane get open and do their thing. So um, something to keep an eye on. Yeah. So Ron, you were there for that whole spectacle Sunday night. Obviously, the uh, flurry of goals at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, just one quick fact before we transition over into defense, because I know all of you guys have touched on it, but that's our next segment here. Um, per Elias Sports, Patrick Kane is the first player in NHL history to score two game-tying goals 
in the final 90 seconds of regulation. Yep. So that's wild. That's pretty ridiculous. Add that to Patrick Kane's career achievements. Cool. Um, it's cool to see a little piece of history right there. So yeah, no, it's uh, it's a small tidbit and a very you know time window kind of condensed sort of thing. You know, last ninety seconds of regulation. You know, who's done it in ninety one or whatever. But um, that's that's you know it's a cool stat there. Just wanted to bring that up since I saw that thrown out the other day. Um, all right. Well, we're on. We talked about the good enough. We've kind of praised our top uh, two lines here, but we need to um, know why they have to score so much, and that's because our defense has been having a lot of lapses early on. Um, Tyler, um, just what what have you seen so far? What what's going wrong on the back end? Um, well, I haven't seen much, and that's what kind of scares me. Um, you know, like Ruda, I, I said I was high on him on the last podcast and he's made me look like an idiot just take it back it's okay <laughs> um yeah you know the only i think if we want to stick to a positive note i think the only thing i can say is that seabrook looks 10 times better than he did last year and the year before um he's moving a little better he's more active offensively which is always a bright thing for him he's got a heavy shot and uh, that's always going to help out rather it be just regular five-on-five play or on the power play. Um, Joker Haru has been fantastic, definitely playing a lot different than he was in preseason. Um, I think he's been a standout. And it's almost looked like Keith is, like, absent. Um, and that's not always a bad thing. He's not making any mistakes. And he's not always the guy who's going to be an offensive production type player. But playing alongside Joker Haru, I think it's really good for him. And um, I think Yogi's points in these last five games really, or last three games, sorry, really shows that his five assists. I mean, that's that's pretty happy for a rookie jumping. Leading the, I guess it's probably changed now, but before entering uh, Tuesday's action, Yogi Hari was leading the league in assists. So, yeah, five assists. I think he looks good, and that's a huge. I mean, that's a huge thing for us, right? I mean whether it be this season or in the future, Yoki Haru playing um, up to his potential is probably one of the most important things in Blackhawks hockey coming into the future. Yeah, big part of the future. Tony, um, let's hear your rant on the defense here. I don't, I don't even know if they are skating a defense at this point in time. Because um, like uh, Tyler mentioned today, I really haven't seen them out there. Um, a lot of this the defensive problems over the past few years have been kind of diminished by having Corey Crawford in net mm-hmm. and they don't have that luxury anymore. The, he's gone. Uh, I really, I really would have liked to see a significant signing to shore the defense up. And I know Yoki Haru has done well, but I think, I think he's done better offensively than he's done defensively. So it's not it's not a slight against him. I know that this is his first little stint here in the NHL. And like you mentioned, Tyler, a lot of the Blackhawks' success, as far as defense goes, is going to rest on him um, in the near and long-term future. Uh, Brent Seabrook, I mean, he hasn't been a total disappointment, but he's not doing Brent Seabrook-style style things on the defensive side. Uh, John Ruda, no good. 
Um, I think I think you'll see a little bit of an improvement when Connor Murphy comes back, but as of right now, I I don't foresee this defense getting any better, uh, and that's the scary thing. I, I'm I, I'm kind of lost as to what what to think because. Like I said during the offensive talk, if the offense dies, all the pressure's coming back to this defense, and it's going to look really bad. Um, you got to hope that that Keith can kind of carry it like he has for so long, and you really got to hope that Crawford's starting by mid-October because we can't keep exposing uh, exposing the defense this way. And I know we'll get into goaltending in a little bit, but that's what I've got to say about the defense. Yeah, three goals given up in the first game, four in the second, six against a high-powered offense that we finally played on Sunday against Toronto. Got to do better than that against uh, elite competition. So, Ron, what have you seen from the D so far? Well, for starters, Jan Ruda is a traffic cone playing defense. Um, (laughs) He's been absolutely atrocious. It, It gives me anxiety watching him play defense. I don't know if there's some nagging injury that's slowing him down. I don't know if that's just his speed. I don't know what it is. I really don't. I have no idea. But he does not look good. And they are playing him way too much for how he looks. Um, That being said, Brandon Manning has looked okay. And quite honestly, I think it's unfair assuming Brandon Manning was going to come in and be a number three or four defenseman because he was a third-pair guy in Philadelphia and did well in that role, or at least okay in that role. Um, First two games, he was a little rough. Uh, Against Toronto, he didn't look terrible. Um, Obviously scored a goal, but even just from a defensive standpoint, he wasn't trying to make any pretty, like, over-the-top plays. He was just making the, the easy play. You know, okay, decent positioning. You know, guy throws it in. I'm going to go ahead and put the body on him. Great. That's what he's getting paid for. You know, he's getting paid to be physical and he was, and he, he was doing his job. Well, um, I still really want to see Gustafson with Seabrook. And uh, I know that it's been a, a popular topic, at least to a, a few of the different groups that I've seen discussing things within uh, Hawks Twitter. Um, is that group playing together? Because Seabrook and Gustafson played together back on that, uh, what was that, the 2016 Hawks, um, when Gustafson got his first taste of NHL action. Um, Brent Seabrook was kind of the babysitter of that team in terms of defense. So, you know, letting those two play together, I think, bodes well, and then letting Manning and Ruda be the third, the true third pair and play minimal minutes, I think, is the best option right now. Um, but from a Yoki Haru standpoint, I agree. I mean, he hasn't been perfect defensively, but he has made a lot of really smart little plays that are really easy to just overlook. Um, you know, just, you know, okay, I'm going to dump it here, or I'm going to put the body on this guy and just tie him up until my D partner or a forward can come in and battle for the puck. You know, he's not trying to make the pretty play every single time. And I think that's a good thing because, I feel like a lot of young players, period, whether they're defensemen or, or forwards, try and make the really pretty play every single time. So he's going to go through growing pains. He's going to make mistakes. That's normal. That's natural. Um, but I, I really i am pleasantly surprised from what I've seen from him so far. And I think him playing with Keith has kind of been in a, a little bit of a, a shock of youth for Keith because he, he you know, kind of gets to mentor 
a youngster now. He's not playing with a guy who played six years in the AHL or played with is not playing with Nicholas Jalmerson, who's a shut down defenseman. You know, he's he's playing with a guy that he can teach and and is new and you know maybe that's a little bit of a a, a boost for for dunks going forward. But yeah, if that defense doesn't turn around, um, it's going to be a very very frustrating season when they have to win games six to five. Yep. So, Ron, I think you're going to get your wish in practice on um, on Tuesday. Defensive pairings were Keith Yokiharu, Gustafson, Seabrook, Manning, Ruda. Um, I know that third pair looks a little rough, but I agree with you that I think Gustafson pairs a little well just in his style with Seabrook. So, um, Yokiharu, uh, my point there for him, you know, five assists. That's great. A um, couple of rookie mistakes slipped up, let a breakaway against Ottawa. Luckily, Cam Ward made the save. That was when um, Hawks were down before T- Seabrook scored the tying goal. Um, so luckily, that didn't lead, you know, if they go up two there, then that's uh, that's a little bit of a different game that the Hawks have to play to come back in. Um, so there have been some, you know, rookie mistakes. He's young. It's going to happen. So we got to be prepared for that. But overall, fairly good positioning he's fast we know that um and he's there's been some good stick work poke check tarasenko um on saturday night a couple of times um you know he's one of the best in the league so it's is some encouraging signs from the defense for as terrible as jan ruda um has looked and you know brandon manning at times although like you said ron manning improved against toronto um, and then Yoki Haru, getting back to him, 69.2% Corsi 4. So he is driving possession. And that is great to see because the less we are in our own end, the better it is for us because the goaltending has not been particularly good. Um, and that is our next segment, goaltending. Cam Ward, 2-0-1 record, but a 4.62 goals against average. save percentage. He's allowed 14 goals on 89 shots. So it's Cam Ward. Um, It's it's rough to watch, but it's what we've got for right now. So, Tony, uh, go ahead and lay into him. It's Cam Ward's world, and we're just living in it, folks. Uh, (laughs) You know, that's how I feel when I watch these starts. Um, I'm absolutely pissed off that he started on Sunday. And I know it's the first home game. He's the $3 million man. Give me a fucking break. Start. Uh, what was it? Delia that they got on the bench right now. Well, Give the no, kid. For, for, if Delia was down, then uh, Forsberg would have been the two. Give me an Anton Forsberg start. Give the guy a day off or start Forsberg on Saturday and bring Cam Ward back on Sunday. You can't let that guy go to back to back or go back to back ever. I, I, they probably, if Crawford was here uh, starting the year, they probably still wouldn't have went Crawford two games in a row. Um, this is the importance of having a quality backup goalie. And that just proves to me that they weren't, they weren't believing that Forsberg was either ready or that Forsberg could handle the net even. Um, that's a problem. And if that's if it's going to be that way for a while, and, and we'll get into this whole Forsberg, Crawford, Ward thing in a little bit, but 
this looks like the biggest waste of $3 million that I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, I was starting to think today about what I would spend $3 million on mm. instead of Kim <laughs> Um, And I came up with a lot of stuff. I mean, you could, you could buy a lot with $3 million. I, I'm just, I'm just really surprised because I mean, what is, what value is this guy even providing the Hawks right now? I mean, you just read off those stats. <sighs> yeah. That's that is the biggest waste of three million dollars that I've ever seen. Somebody else come up with a some something that costs three million dollars and tell me that's a better investment in than Cam Ward. I mean, I could have played goalie for like you know league minimum, and you could fire shots at me all day. I'll probably stop just about the same amount. Give me a few beers. I'll go out there and and take you know these slap shots to myself. Give me give me five hundred thousand dollars. I'd do that in a heartbeat. I mean, it's just, it's been incredible. The defense isn't helping him though. And that's the other thing. We, when I ripped on the defense, if you have a goalie like Cam Ward, you're going to need a solid D. And I mean, he is, he's not letting up a lot of soft goals in my opinion, but he's also not making saves that other goalies would in that situation. I can't wait to see Corey Crawford back. The only thing I'm really scared about, and it gives me nightmares and keeps me up at night, is the fact that if Crawford comes back and is not himself, we're stuck with three lame duck goalies who cannot stop a puck. And where do you go from there? Where I have no idea. Where do you go from there? That's a great question. Well, we were kind of talking about it earlier in our Twitter log there that, you know, what do you do? Do you trade Forsberg? Because... A goalie that young and that, you know, he may have talent in the future. He may just need to sit and get some NHL experience or go to the AHL and get that confidence builder like we were talking last week. But Well, you you actually bring up a good point there, Tyler. Do you, do you guys remember, like, the 2009 Corey Crawford? Like, God, this guy sucks. Like, he came up a few times, played a few games, and I was a big proponent of, like, don't ever let this guy start net. We need to we need to keep Cristobal Huey. You know, <laughs> like like that was the thing. You know, like this is this is not good. This Corey Crawford kid, no good. Never gonna make it. I remember saying that, and just to make me eat my words, Anton Forsberg's probably gonna lift a Stanley Cup with some team like down the road, and he'll he'll be the the driving force in that. But. As of right now, I mean, I, I don't know. What do, you, what do you get for a guy like Anton Forsberg? What do you get back? I don't know, but I'd rather get something than let him not clear waivers, you know? I mean, that's really... Yeah. It's, it's giving fucking Ward a no-trade clause is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Well, that's... Yeah, that's the other thing. Where are all these no-trade clauses coming from? Is there, like, some sort of, like, Stan Bowman, like... did? Does he have a secretary like, you know, that like has like the standard PDF and on the bottom of all the Blackhawks contracts that get printed out from Blackhawks HR is like on the bottom. It's like no trade clause. And they forgot to remove it when they signed Kane and Taves. And it's just been on like all the other contracts. <laughs> yeah, he hands them out like candy. But why to Ward? Like what has Ward shown yeah. any, at any time in his career other than winning the Stanley Cup that he was – he deserves a no trade I, for a team that he's never even started a game for. Yeah, he's so far he's so far removed from that Stanley Cup that you can't even like 
take that into consideration as, oh, this guy's, they, you know, when you sign him, you're like, this is a backup at his point in his career. Say this is earlier, you know, fresh off that, then sure, that's a different story. But we're, yeah. we're a few years down the road here. And I'll, I'll, I, tell, you, I'll tell you what it is. It, it, the reason he got a, a no-trade clause, it, it, the vocabulary word of the day is called desperation. Um, the Hawks knew Crawford wasn't going to be ready. They didn't want to say anything. They were probably looking around for goaltenders, and they're like, who wants to come to Chicago? And everybody's looking at last year and going, oh, not me, not me. And Ward's like, well, are you going to pay me? And they're like, we'll give you a three. And he's like, you're going to give me a no-trade clause too? And they're like, fuck it, deal. And then he's like, all right. Yeah. That's probably what happened because, you know, I think a lot of – a lot of goaltenders wanted more of an opportunity because they saw, okay, if Crawford's back and Crawford's healthy, Crawford's the guy. You know, I'm not going to be able to go there and be the guy. Um, for example, Tony, to answer your question, what can I get for uh, $3 million? I'll tell you what, I can get them for two seven five. I can get a uh, one Carter Hutton, former Blackhawks goaltender, fun fact. Um, the goaltender has played three games this year for the Buffalo Sabres. He is two and one with a two zero six goals against average and a nine forty three save percentage. That's what you can get with two, uh, with three million dollars other than Cam Ward. Wow! So you're just shattering my heart here, Ron. I don't. I don't mean that, to. Yeah. I'm just no. I. Team. Yeah. No. I know. That's. <laughs> I, I. I watched a little bit of a Buffalo game on Monday, and he he looks solid. So. Um, yeah, so we're, we're in a little bit of a predicament here. Uh, Crawford still on track to return next week. So we could be dealing with this three goalie situation. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I'm just intrigued that they actually set a date to start with for Crawford. And now they are still going back to that and reassuring that that is still the plan as of now. And I, I mean, whether he starts or not, I will probably be at the game next Thursday, so hopefully I'm seeing Crawford's return, and hopefully he's the same Corey Crawford that we've seen in years past. Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see how this whole goaltending situation plays out. Um, I Hopefully, my biggest thing is the defense needs to step up. You can't be playing in front of your own goalie all the time um, and expect him to have a, a great... You know, he, he has like a ridiculous number of, I forget the exact number, but a ridiculous amount of uh, high danger chances in front of him. So, you know, he's not the same uh, spring chicken that he was when he was down in Carolina. So he's not going to be making any of these acrobatic, ridiculous highlight reel saves. Um, and it, he's got to improve. Defense has got to improve. And hopefully we get our old Crawford back. That would be ideal situation. Um, so going on to other injuries, Crawford is still technically, you know, concussion symptoms still on track to start that October 18th. Um, we got a couple of other injuries. Andreas Martinson didn't practice Tuesday or Wednesday. He's day to day. So the Blackhawks recalled Alexander Fortan, Fortin, Fortin, however we want to say it. Will Fortin. Um, recalled from Rockford on Tuesday and he will play Thursday night at Minnesota. Um, so that's, that'll be interesting to see how he plays in his debut. Um, Yoki Haru was out of practice today with flu like symptoms. Um, but he's still expected to play on Thursday. 
Forsling, when uh, Yogi Haru was out of practice, Forsling stepped in uh, for his spot. So it's nice to see that he is making some progression, but they said that he's still three weeks away. Um, what what are we thinking Alexander 410-wise, guys? Um, I liked him a lot in the prospect tournament, but what do you expect to see from him? He's also playing on the third line, just to note that he will not be on a fourth-line role. He'll be with Kunitsin and Nisimov on that third line when we open in Minnesota on Thursday night. I think that's exactly what Anisimov needs is a player like him, a player that has the potential to be a playmaker and a goal scorer. Um, as we've seen not only in the past, but in these last three games, Anisimov just cannot play with, he has to be around playmakers. He cannot make plays happen himself. He's incompetent of doing that. So putting in a new young player that has the ability to do that can be really good Talk about another guy with a no-trade clause that doesn't deserve one. Uh, Artem Nismov. I hope that Fortin can spark that line, like you said, but I do think that he does have potential, maybe bottom top six potential. Um, let's hope he adds a little bit of goal scoring to that line. I'd like to see if if the fourth line can't be serviceable, at least the third line maybe. So that, I mean, he'll improve it, but by how much? And what you don't want to see here is another, you know, Coach Q doghouse not giving him enough minutes to to make any sort of impact. Yeah, I, I what I like about Fortin, 14, 14, potato, potato. Yeah, we need, we need, we need to get a, like, correct, like, uh, I, spelling. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's 14. Okay. I don't even know though. No. Only. Let's just say with the Chicago X. Hey, Fortin. But uh, no. What I think. What does Coach gonna... Q call him? I. I don't know. Do you have Fort. a nickname yet? Forty. Probably. So he goes. That's like his go-to. Just add Y to the end of it. <laughs> no. All right. Forty. It is then. Um. Does that mean we get to call him? Never mind. I'm not even going to go there. Um, go there. Go there, John. No, I was going to say. I mean, if we're if he's forty, are we? Is he now a, a forty? Is he three dollars at the, your local supermarket for uh, those who want to get you know intoxicated off of? Sell the shirt days? now. Cobra Clutch. <laughs> Cope, exactly. That's exactly. Yeah, what if, all right. So even if Q doesn't call him that, even if he goes off on some other nickname, we're gonna call him. 40 we're gonna call him. 40. We're sl- we're slamming forties tomorrow night, boys. Forties <laughs> for Fortin. Yeah, forties for Fortin. Absolutely. No, no. I don't. No, I think he's a uh, wrench. I want to say. I have no idea what he is, but um, no. What I what I really like about him, and I think is gonna benefit that third line. I think, and obviously he's not going to be playing with the same type of player, so just bear with my comparison really fast. But I think he's going to be the Kasperi Kapanen equivalent of what Toronto has with him playing with Matthews. He's that game-breaking speed that opens everything else up for everybody on that line. You know, for example, Sunday night against the Hawks, who has a breakaway goal because he just literally outskates everybody, Kasperi Kapanen. And he's got wheels. And I would argue 40 is just as fast as Kapanen is. You know, if nothing else, if he's coming down, you know, let's say Anisimov carries the puck into the zone. If you have 
40 crashing the net with that speed, it's going to open up space for Kunitz and Anisimov to do something. And possession-wise, the, the, the stats have shown over the last three games, that third line has not been bad in terms of possession. They just haven't scored. So if there's that speed on the line that's going to make that line at least a little more dangerous, I think there you could see the opportunity for Kunitz and Anisimov to start banking some points. And if that third line can get going, even if that fourth line doesn't do a ton of scoring, that will go a long way. Because the fourth line's role is not necessarily to score. It's to be, a, hopefully, a good defensive line. You know, they're not out there telling them, each one of you needs to score 10 goals. No, that's not their job. Um, I think his speed's going to be welcome to the lineup. It, the league is going young and fast, and that's exactly what he is and what he brings. So I'm excited to see what he can do. I really am. Yeah, I watched him in the prospect tournament over a course of like three games, and I agree with you, Ron. The possession numbers are there. The speed is there. Um, it'll just be a matter of him opening up those opportunities. I'm you know, just basically reiterating what you said, but that's the type of player that he is, going to have that speed driving in the net. So hopefully we see that um, – from him against Minnesota um, makes a good impression. So like Tony said, he doesn't get put in Q's doghouse to the point where he can't even make an impact just because of one, you know, turnover or whatever it may be. Um, so he was recalled from Rockford Tuesday. We're going to get into a little bit of prospect report. Um, Rockford's only played two games, but some of Fortin's teammates down there, Dylan Sakura, one assist, um, in those two games for Rockford, same with Victor Edgesell. We saw both of them for periods of time with the Blackhawks uh, at the end of last season. Um, center Maxime Shalinov playing over in the KHL. They're 15 games in. He's got four goals and two assists so far. Our boy, Adam Boquist, defenseman, um, he's got two assists in four games for the OHL London Knights. Another D-man that we're high on, Nicholas Bodine, one goal and three assists in three games for Drummondville of the QMJHL. Mackenzie Entwistle, guy that we got back in the uh, trade from Arizona uh, for the HOSA contract, along with Tinnestroza. He's got two goals and an assist in six games for the OHL Hamilton Bulldogs. Philip Kurishev, another young center that impressed me a little bit during prospect camp. He's got four goals and five assists in eight games for the QMJHL Quebec Ramparts. So a little bit of a prospect report. Keep you updated on what's going on with some of these future Hawks here. Um, we are moving into the next segment, and that is a mocking segment of one of our division rivals. Guys, last night, the Nashville Predators had their season opener. They raised three banners, a President's Trophy banner, a regular season Western Conference champions banner, and a Central Division champions banner. All three banners laid out on the ice, President's Trophy in the middle, team pictures, full ceremony like they just won the cup. Um, those banners turn into memes. Oh God. Did you guys see some of those floating around Twitter today? What a Cubs move. <laughs> hey, 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 easy now. <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay. So we, we asked our followers on Twitter to send us their best 
banner memes. And we'll put together a video that has all these in a blog post so you can see all these pictures. But we'll put it along with this. So Dave Drumpet, I think he has the best one. He wins this. So it was originally three banners. And he expands it to make six. And so he has, like, all their regular ones, like, you know, President's Trophy, regular season Western Conference champs, Central Division champs. Those are all in the middle. But then he adds ones on the outside. And the, so it's like first round champs, 2017, 2018, most valued customer impact banners, Inc. <laughs> and then, and then the, the other ones are did real good and 117 points on banners with 2017, 18 Col- colors alternating on the ice. Oh, my God. I was just dying when I saw that one. That was great because he expanded it. So it was only three, but he added, you know, like the extras just to throw some shade at him. Uh, hockey brunch had one because like the so they also gave out these banners like as like a mini version of it like as their giveaway on opening night and you know we had you guys had seen about the uh, keep the red out policy where they only to uh, you know credit card holders that had a zip code around Nashville or Mississippi or Alabama or whatever it was so it says most ticket sales in zip code 37211, which is the Nashville zip code. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's like, oh, nice little giveaway that the Predators had last night. And we'll, we'll put all of these together in a blog post. And then there's another one that went pretty viral um, at NN Stats on Twitter. She says, celebrating my accomplishments. And she photoshops in instead of like all the Predators, you know, uh, and when like ate a vegetable or something, it, yeah, so, so it goes. It goes. Did laundry? Didn't turn the phone and ate a vegetable. <laughs> oh, guys, this is the kind of shit. Like they set themselves up for this. No, oh, no doubt. I think. I think if Ron can make it like a week without getting fired, I'm gonna give him a banner. Yeah. Please don't. We're at the counter is six now. Is it six? Yeah, it's six. Like I've I had it in my notes since. Uh, <laughs> So I don't know if we've actually discussed this or, or let the listeners know what, what why Ron's been fired so many times. Um, I, I like to fire Ron when Ron pisses me off for, <laughs> for certain things. Like I think I fired him once for being a Cubs fan. I think you fired um, me like twice like, for doing that. That might have been the first time I fired you. Um, what did I fire you for today? I forget. Pumpkin, pumpkin spice. spice. Pumpkin spice. Oh, yeah, you used pumpkin spice in your article, and I didn't like that, so I fired you. Um, you didn't show up to the first podcast. I fired you. Um, you haven't been fired on air yet though. So that's, that's quite an accomplishment. It'll be a fun moment when that happens. It will. will. (laughs) I'll just be on mute for like half the episode. Then after being fired, just let it, let it roll and then come back. Yeah. So we gotta, we gotta wait and see what you're going to do. That's going to make me fire you on air, but I'm, I'm sure the time will come very soon. (laughs) <laughs> that'll be a running segment we'll make sure to keep like the number like the we need like a sign that has like you know like a scoreboard like fenway has but it'll just be like yeah like a ticker like that um but yeah right. we'll, we'll, we'll keep that post you know that you know that well i hope that when i do fire him on air we edit in the the donald trump you're fired yeah there there you go yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's, a, it's necessary. <laughs> well, I, we can use... Um, I have the Chris Sale K-Counter bobblehead from, like, two years ago, if we want to use that to keep track. Can you actually count on that? 
Yeah. I was like, oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I never got one of those, so. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for our little fun segment there. We will post more of these Nashville regular season banners memes on Twitter because they're freaking hilarious. Um, no, I just wanted to point one more out. 12 games on national television, 2018-19. Everybody, every, everybody, everybody loves, you know, like ripping on the Hawks. Like, oh, the Hawks are in another winter classic. Oh, the Hawks get too many primetime games. It's like, okay, well, now Nashville is there. It's like, you know, raise a banner for that too. Yeah. There, there's a couple more. We'll, we'll put all those together in a post for uh, the listeners here. Um, let's, let's look at the week ahead. Um, we got new power play units in practice. I think what everybody wanted to see, Yoki Haryuki being the first power play unit, um, along with the uh, forwards up front, Artaves Kane to bring it Schmaltz. Um, power play two, Keith bumps down to that quarterback role. Gustafson, Cahoon, Saad, and Nisimov join him there. Guys, just quick thoughts on those power play units. I mean, I am excited to see what Yogiari can do, especially since he's already dished out five assists so far this year. Yeah, I think he'll thrive in that role. Um, I just think because he's he's shown that he can be that pass-first defenseman, and he looks very calm with the puck at the point. He's not afraid to kind of direct play, even at five-on-five. Um, so I think giving him the opportunity to do it with the extra space um, with the man advantage is going to be be beneficial to him. And then I like – I'm actually hoping Gustafson – I know he, he does more on the half wall on the power play, but I would love to see him be more of the point guy on that power play and then let Keith be more of the half wall guy. Because, um, I mean, for being totally honest, Keith has never been a great power play quarterback – there's a lot of things that the man does well. I mean, he's he's you know won Norris trophies and and everything, so he's obviously a great player. But um, you know, just let him kind of improvise a little more and maybe not have to to lead that entire charge. I really like that they have Schmaltz on the on the back end. They're really stacking that first unit. I think that's something uh, we used to do a long time ago. Um, when our power play was successful, and I'm glad that Q is kind of getting back to that, and Dineen's getting back to that, because it just gives you so many more options with those two more right-handed shots, or three, because Yogi Hire is right-handed too, right? Yep. Yeah, so having all of that with Kane and Taves, because you know how Kane likes to float that puck across and set up the one tees, so having two options for him, or even three, is huge for that power yeah, maybe that'll encourage Schmaltz to shoot a little bit more. I think that's one thing we all want to see out of him. He's got a good, he's got a good shot, but I mean, he's always when he's you know driving down the ice, it always looks like he's uh, looking to pass. So maybe him being in a set spot on the power play will motivate him to shoot. We did. We brought up maybe there's something mental going on with Schmaltz. I think it was our episode with Chief, didn't we? Yeah, so we talked about yeah. possibly getting his bell rung by uh, Jack Johnson at the beginning of last year, and that kind of putting a little uh, doubt in the back of his mind about driving up the center of the ice with speed. Yeah, dude, I- I'm wondering if that's still a thing, because there's really been no signs of of a lot of life there with him when it comes to that so far. Um, I-, 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 I agree. He- I'm hoping this encourages him to shoot a little bit more. Um other than that, as far as the power play goes, I know they like to say, you know, innocent until proven guilty. This power play is guilty until proven innocent at this point in time. Yeah. Um, Q can change this around all he wants, 
but it's still it's still going to be the same main cast. Um, for as well as Taves, Kane, you know th- those guys have done so far, this is this is going to be more on them to carry the power play as well. Um, and traditionally, I mean, if we think back to a lot of these really good Hawks teams, has there ever really been a time where we're like, yeah, this power play is like un- unstoppable. We are going to score here. I don't really remember that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think it was the only time I think was during 2013. That was the lockout. Yeah, short might have, that might have been the only one. But like, I honestly like, I think that was the only time that we were ever in like the top five percentage wise on power play conversion. Right. So I, I don't know if that's the end all be all for the season because they've just had such crap power plays for as long as I can remember, even with these elite players playing on them. I don't know. I don't know what that's all about, but I mean, they've been through a few different coaches um, handling that power play. And I really haven't seen anything. I was kind of encouraged by it actually in the preseason, the puck movement looked good. Um, but I just remember, you know, just over the course of the last, you know, probably five, six years of Hawks, Hawks hockey that I've watched, you see a lot of cycling. You don't see a lot of shooting. And there's a reason why you, you don't want to take every single shot that you possibly can. You want to catch somebody out of position but they almost just seem too passive on the power play. Like they're waiting for that finesse play and it just never comes. And by the time that they get around anything, the puck's going back down the ice. So it's just been more of the same. And that's why, that's why I say they're guilty until proven innocent. Yep. I agree. So that's uh, something to look out for in these upcoming games. That'll be the new look on the power play. Uh, when the Hawks take on Minnesota, Thursday night, uh, 7 p.m. Central Time start. Then on Saturday, they return home to the United Center to host the St. Louis Blues, 7.30 p.m. start. Um, lines are looking like Debrinkit, Taves, Cahoon, Saad, Schmaltz, Kane, Kunitz, and Isimov, 410, 40. Hayden, Kruger, Kampf, Keith, for, or Keith, Yokiharyu, first pair. Gustafson, Seabrook, second pair. Manning, Ruta, third pair on the back end. Cam Ward starts in net. So that is what we are looking at um, for this week coming up. And then they will have another stretch of off days like they did at the beginning of this week until next Thursday when hopefully we are seeing Corey Crawford return in that. And hopefully I'm witnessing it in person. But um, that's all we got. Technical Blackhawks wise talk tonight. Um, You guys got anything to add before we close it down? Uh, Ron Luce's goal for the year is to not get fired on air. Um, continually can get fired off air, but um, will not be fired on air. Are we placing bets on this? We could if you want to. <laughs> I I won't just fire you to to win the bet. But I'm guessing you are going to have a take at least somewhere or say something that just instantaneously brings out the uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think we need the sound I don't even think we need the sound really yeah. Yeah. yeah Tyler's got it locked down he's got every impression of the book super fan last week Donald Trump this week I honestly watched I honestly watched the super fan clip like four times over and I think I laughed harder every time I watched it <laughs> that's good 
you guys provide provide some more gold content, I'll make sure to pick out a good minute clip to uh, throw to a video for this one as well. So I apologize to both. I, I've apologized to you, Johnny. Uh, I think um, when we recorded my little last segment last week, got away from me. Um, if anybody listens to Shy Sox Weekly that also listens to this, you can kind of figure out why. Um, but I'm happy to be back uh, on air with all of you. Uh, this week was fun. Yep, it was good stuff, boys. Um, let's hopefully we can keep this rolling because first of all, I hate Minnesota, and second of all, the Blues. That's just a given. So we need to kick some ass against division rivals in these next two games here. Um. That's all we've got on episode four of the Four Feathers podcast. I am Johnny Nani for Tony Marchese, Tyler Jones, and Ron Luce. Let's go Hawks. Go Hawks.